0: I'd like you to open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to read from verse 18. One of the greatest treasures that I've ever owned is this book. It is something through the Lord Jesus Christ that has saved me time and time again. When we read the Bible, we need to know That this is God's word to us. And um, we love his word. Um, And so let's read it in that manner today. Verse 18 says, I have received full payment and have more than enough. This is Paul speaking to the church at Philippi. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever. And ever, amen. Verse 21 says, Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, as we pray over your word, over me, over all who would be listening today, we ask that you would speak to us, I ask that you would make us wise for this life, and we ask that you would reveal Jesus to us anew and afresh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Entitled the series, For His Praise and For His Glory. And um, we said that when we talk about His glory, we just want to point to Him. When we talk about His praise, we want to applaud Him for all that He's done. And this is the amazing God that Paul, throughout the book of Philippians, have presented to us. And virtually every time over the last month and a half, when I've had times just to separate myself, just to think, to meditate, to walk, or wherever I would go, this phrase would ring within my mind um, for His praise and for His glory. When I'm in a tight spot and there are relational difficulties that I encounter, personal or maybe with others that I'm helping, the phrase that just comes through within my heart and spirit is that we do this for his glory and for his praise. And again, the word of God has saved me over the last month and a half from many, many a problem. Because within my heart, I have and I hope that you would determine to live your lives for his praise and for his glory. It's amazing how it changes How we see people, how we make decisions, and how we view the future. And so, um, Paul has been so wonderfully led by the Holy Spirit to write this book to us. We live for his praise and we live for his glory. And now we come to the last few paragraphs of this letter that he wrote to Philippi being in jail, um, chained to a different soldier every single day, having his need met by others. And of course, um, Epiproditus sends him this gift that the church at Philippi had gathered. And it is presented to him. And Paul says in verse 18, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gift in plural that you sent. It's an amazing testimony that Paul is in prison, and apparently, um, his present needs were met, but also in this gift. His future needs are met too. So the church at Philippi was generous. Um, The church at Philippi was not a wealthy church by any stretch of the imagination. But Paul says that um, to God, the gift that you sent me is a fragrant offering. An acceptable sacrifice. The word sacrifice is very important. Because they gave even to the point that it hurt them. They didn't give out of their riches, but they gave out of their sense of need, out of their poverty, out of their lack. And that is why Paul calls it a sacrifice, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. What we give either pleases God or it does not please God. And that is what Paul is saying to him. But he says, the gift that you've sent to me really pleases God. And so this is the way he speaks to the Philippian church here. Uh, There's a sense of real humility within his heart because he is overwhelmed receiving this gift. He doesn't quite know how to respond and we saw that uh, the context that he came out of um, when we looked at this passage last week Um, and uh, we see here that there is a humble response but a truthful response to these wonderful people that uh, he had the privilege of um, building a church with. This passage of Scripture within its context reveals three things. When any money changes hands within the body of Christ, it means different things to the giver, to the receiver, and to God. As a matter of fact, whenever we perform an act of kindness to someone, it doesn't have to be a financial gift, it can be a meal that we bring to someone. Or it can be helping someone to move. Or it can be giving advice to someone when they're in a place where they are in great need. It means different things to the giver who gives. It means a different thing to the receiver who receives. And it means something to God. What a privilege. We looked a few weeks ago what this gift meant to Paul. He says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned but you had no opportunity to show it previously. And so Paul, what did this gift mean to him? Well, this gift caused him to rejoice greatly because they showed concern for him. There are few things that causes such joy within our hearts when someone shows concern for us. That's a godly act. That's very spiritual. That's our spiritual worship that Paul speaks about in Romans chapter 12, where he says that we ought to offer up our bodies as a living sacrifice. (laughs) This is what he's talking about here. He says that is your spiritual service. It is your act of worship where you show concern to someone. And Paul says he really rejoices in that. So this gift caused such joy within his heart and our desire as a church is that we would excel within this grace where we show concern for one another and as we show concern for one another that there is great joy when we come together. Sometimes we feel we need to do these Incredibly spiritual things to show concern. No, this is a spiritual act in which the church showed their concern to Paul and he just rejoiced greatly. I must add, I think our church really excels in this area. That's why I love to be a part of this church. Let's continue to excel. Within this area. So we see here, what did this gift mean to Paul? It brought such joy when he saw that they really thought about him and they showed their concern to him. Ken, would you come and share a wonderful testimony about what happened over the last week or
1: so um, I shared this with Piet uh, in the time that we get together and pray together in this week. And, um, and so I'd like to give you a little bit of context, kind of a pre-story before I actually share. I received this message on Sunday evening and uh, a little bit of pre-history so you get an idea. So early 2000s, um, I received a WhatsApp from a friend of mine um, that told me that there's uh, a friend of his, British citizen, uh, living in Madagascar, who's coming to work in, in a very you know, big company, uh, in, in Zook specifically. And he asked me uh, if I could reach out to him and just connect with him. Um, he's coming from Madagascar. He hasn't lived in the First World for quite a while. And uh, can I just you know reach out and see if I can just give him a bit of a soft landing? So his name was Andrew. Um, I reached out to him and uh, uh, just kind of moved alongside him for that. You know, you know what it is. We all know when you get here finding a place to stay, figuring how to work with the recycling, how to do all that stuff. Um, as a single guy, uh, pretty overwhelming. And uh, so I just journeyed with him. But clearly in that time, of course, I was going to share what we are and who we are and and, um, and shared a little bit about Lyft. Uh, and he's clearly, in, you know, the, Andrew was clear with me, uh, speaking to him also that, uh, you know, he'd given his life to the Lord early in his life. Um, but um, he was very clear, Ken, you know, I've distanced myself from the church. A lot of things had happened, a lot of hard, difficult things, and I've um, I I don't don't want to come to church, and I don't want to really be part of anything. Um, um, that's that was the statement. And uh, so we we just journeyed, um, and uh, we would you know touch base once or twice, uh, and then I got this message. That's a tw- That was nineteen. That was 2020, um, and then early 2021, I got a message from andrew to say ken i need help i've um i've just been severely dismissed uh there's um, a disconnect in terms of what i what i want to do and what they want me to do and i've got to somehow pack up everything and i've got to figure out where i got to go um i don't know how and so basically i just you know helped andrew in the way we could and we kind of just just was there for him in, in trying to figure these things out and and andrew left uh in 2021 Um, And I hadn't heard from him. I got a a WhatsApp with a nice photo of when we had landed. And I hadn't heard much from him. And then Sunday evening, this Andrew that's sitting there behind us was bugging me about the Zoom link for the small group. And um, I was like, okay, I better figure this out and find and and put him on my WhatsApp group. So as I'm looking for Andrews, Andrew, other Andrews' name comes up. And I see he's still active. And I'm like, that's that's strange. It was a Swiss number. So um, I send him a message, and say, hi Andrew, Yeah, how are you doing? I haven't heard from you for a while and uh, you know, I see that you're still active on WhatsApp. And this is the response I received from Andrew um, on Sunday evening. And I'm going to just read it completely, we did then communicate just after the call, a little bit later in the week we spoke to each other, but um, I share this, knowing the character of the man. I'm going to have a sip of your water, please. <laughs> Um, he says hi ken how strange i was thinking about you the other day there's so much to update you about in brief i contacted covid in july last year i've been in a hospital for a solid eight months half of those in icu and three on a ventilator in an induced coma i was resuscitated three times after my family had been told to come and say goodbye to me but an angel of the Lord tapped me on my shoulder and told me that I was not dead and that I needed to go back. I was in the heavens on a cloud, a gaseous road, a cloud, a gaseous road, he says, between the bright lights of heaven, it was very white, and hell, orange kind of light. It was really, I was so relieved because it was, it was so, so very, very real. Exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. My dad contacted COVID from me and died 10 days after my admission on the 21st of July. I only found out when I woke up at the end of September. And I actually saw him in my coma and said goodbye. It was therefore not much of a shock to me to learn that he died. He was 78 years old and in good health. I've taken over the rental of his flat And I've only recently learned to stand again. I'm using a walking frame and a wheelchair to get around. I weigh half of what I used to. The Methodist minister's wife is my occupational therapist. And she has taught me to walk again. And I pray all is going well with you in the church and for your family. Thanks for caring. And I'll write back soon. Let's chat. Blessings, Andrew. Um... Friends, this, this is incredible. It's hard as it is to understand what he's going through. And, of course, subsequently him and I were able to phone each other and just kind of catch up on, on, on all that he was just sharing, saying. And I just want to share three things that encapsulates um, the caring part is what Piet's preaching on, and that's, that's, that's core of what we do as church. But for Andrew, he said three things to me after we discussed this. You I know, just asked him, You know, I wanted to know more, really. Um, and he said, Ken, three things. He says, in in the presence of God, he was overwhelmed by the majesty and the awesomeness of God. He said the the planets and the stars were almost like close to him on this road. That's the one thing. He was aware of God's awesomeness, his mightiness, his amazing love, and the second thing is he was overcome by the conviction of all the sin in his life. Specifically, you mentioned how he... Was reminded of all the, the little white lies and he was so convicted of this in front of God and he was anxious on this road and he said he couldn't he was overwhelmed with with the fact that God had said to him I want you to go back and then he just was tearful in saying Ken I don't I don't know how to explain how how this what his words were I don't know how to explain what this means to me that God has given me an opportunity to be different and I can't understand why me. Um, and uh, so I had this amazing talk with him of a man who's, who's, who's just experienced God in an incredible way. And it just made me realize again that, friends, he's alive and he loves us and he never lets us go. Um, and, and we live in a place where God will use us in ways, I mean, who would have thought? But yeah, we are experiencing God and caring for others and uh, and being able to be blessed by this man as he testifies to us today. And he said, I had to ask permission to share this, and he said, please share it with the congregation. So, um, and that's a testimony. It's a real testimony. It's a live testimony. It's something that's just happened. Um, and I trust that God will use this to speak to our hearts today. Thanks, Pierre
0: yeah. No, fine. I'll... Um King, can I have a sip of your water, please? <laughs> so this is how Paul closes off with um, the church at Philippi. Um, so this is what it really meant to him. He writes to them from a position of really being contented within his heart. He says, I know what it means to have a lot, and I know what it means to have very, very little. But he says, now you have amply supplied my need. Socrates was once asked, who is the wealthiest man on earth? His reply was, the man who is content with the least. And we see this just coming out of Paul's heart. Secondly, we see what it really meant to the Philippians as they gave this gift to Paul. And Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 17 to 19, he says, Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. And then he says, verse 19, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It's an amazing thing we do not give to get, but when we give and when it is, as the scripture says, a fragrant offering to God and an acceptable sacrifice that we uh, that pleases God, we see here that that is credited to your account. Acts of kindness, in whatever shape or form, is credited to your account. And this is what Paul is saying to the church there. He says, that is what my desire is. Not that I, that I desire your gift, he says, but what I desire is that more be credited To your account. And so we see Paul's desire for the church, and we see what this is going to mean for this church is that um, when they stand before God, their account would be full. And he says, My God will supply all your needs according to his riches. In glory by christ jesus and this is another scripture that we just want to pause at we paused at an uh, earlier scripture when we were looking uh, at verse 13 of chapter 4 where it says i can do all things through him who strengthens me and now we come to this also very very well known verse that many of us have quoted a hundred times where paul says and my god will meet all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And, and, and this is what stood up within my spirit as I was uh, looking at this passage of Scripture and simply entitled this talk, My God, Your Father. My God, Your Father. And Paul is saying to them, I want to tell you about my God here. Um, Paul's testimony Shows within this verse of who he knows. He says, My God. And I love that. You know, I just couldn't get much further away from those first two words within verse 19. And my God will supply all your needs. That was Paul's testimony amongst the people out of here at Lyft is that we would have a testimony when we speak to people and where we um, personally can say to people, my God will. (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? This is what Ken was doing. He's got a personal testimony of his God. My desire is that when we leave here that all of you will have a personal testimony about God so that when you meet people this week that you can say not just God but that you could say my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I hear the word my God used flippantly so much. Have you heard people say oh my God? Don't do that. That's blasphemy. And I hear Christians saying it all the time. It's, it's, it's blasphemy. There's no reverence, there's no honor, there's no testimony of God in it. We don't do that. In the Hebrew Bible, they were very careful how they mentioned and used the name of God. And I think this has to be addressed, and we need to address each other you know when we start doing that type of thing, you know because when we mention the name "My God," my friends," that 's an awesome testimony of our awesome God, and the references in which we use it, we use it in such flippant circumstances, and we can 't do that we 've got to change the way we speak, we 've got to change the way we project the testimony of our God to other people. and so we see here beautifully Paul projects it when he says, and my God will meet all your needs. Even with Christians, we are so careful to say that to people because our testimony of the God that we serve is so low. We don't have a high view of the God who provides and of the God who supplies. For Jed and I here in Switzerland, we our testimony is so renewed about our God. And what our God can do, and how God can sustain you, how you can ride in the wave, uh, you know, how you can actually ride, um, you know, on the waves, and you can do great things when the waves are there, when, they go, when things go for you. But also, you know, my God, when we're in the valleys, what He can do for us, the difficulties. Our testimony is so much bigger than before we came. So when I sit down with someone who is. Um, in such crisis, I could say to them, my God, maybe will. Or can we actually say, my God will meet all your needs? The problem is, with you and I, is that we have seen this verse so misapplied and so abused. So we no longer have the confidence to say, my God, will. I, unequivocally believe that my God will supply your every need in Christ Jesus what's your level of faith and belief in this area for us to show the wonderful glory of God to the people that we live amongst here in Switzerland and other places we need to trust God for that testimony and I love again Paul's testimony where he can say, my God will meet or supply all your needs. Now, obviously, we would want to do a uh, word study on the word needs, you know, but it's, but it's incredible. He, he, he actually takes us a little bit further to qualify the word need in this verse. And he says, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches Of his glory in Christ Jesus. This verse takes on a new meaning when we understand that we have been saved into Christ Jesus and our faith stands in Christ Jesus. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Here's this word again. In Christ. He has such a desire to come. And to meet every single need that we have within him. And sometimes I think it's a need and it's simply a want. But it's only as I step into that full position, practically, of being in Christ. And when I trust him with it, that sometimes some of my apparent needs are not met. But I realize that it was simply a want in the context of who God is. And I can share so many personal testimonies with you about that. Because if we don't view our lives here on earth in the context of eternity, many of our apparent needs are simply only once. Would you agree with me? And in that, God deals with us as individuals. And that's why I can say with such confidence, that my God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. When we read it in the context, yes, the context is finance. Yes, when we give, God will bless you. Yes, I can't get away from that in this passage of Scripture. So I don't want to minimize it just because it was abused by some. But this is the true context of what he's speaking about. But my friend, it is so much more. I just love the concern that Ken showed to his friend. And something happened within his life as as God partnered with Ken, Ken partnered with God, and they partnered with others. And he says, My God will supply your needs according to his righteousness and glory. So when I look at this verse, there is something incredibly personal here. It is Paul having a conviction about his God. Let's renew this conviction about who our God is. And then, it is not only something personal when Paul writes this verse under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the church at Philippi, but it was something prophetic as well. Because he says, My God will supply. And it is in the present continuous tense in the Greek. He says, My God will supply continuously your need. It's prophetic. It's not a one-off thing. It is continuously. Why? Because it is. In Christ Jesus, his resource never, ever runs out. doesn't matter how young we were when we got to understand this verse. doesn't matter how old we are. God continues, wants to pour out his loving grace upon us in such generosity, and and this is what Paul is saying to the church here. He says, you were so generous in providing my needs. Now we're trusting that God is gonna be generous to you. God's love language is generosity. You could see here in this verse when we read, In verse 18, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epapodritus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. One commentator says that God required for worship in the Old Testament that a lamb was to be brought and to be slaughtered. But it is amazing that when we bring this lamb, it wasn't just any lamb that was to be brought. It had to be a lamb without defect. It had to be the very, very best that needed to be given. And my friends, when we bring something to God, we need to bring the very, very best that we can. And what we try and teach our boys And our family is that if you want to give something to someone, give them the very best. Don't give them second best. Don't give them the third best thing. Give the very best. That is what God required when a sacrifice needed to be made to him. That is when it was a sweet savor offering. As a matter of fact, it it, it needed to be the very best, even if if it came at great cost, a sacrifice. And that is what happened. It had to be the very, very very best lamb. It, It was a sacrifice for those people, but it had to be according to God's standard. And so we see that no longer should we bring those lambs before God. Because Jesus became the lamb. And as a matter of fact, God gave us the very, very best in Jesus. He gave us his very, very best. So no longer do we have to go through a priest to confess our sins. No longer do we have to go to a church to confess our sins. We go straight to Jesus because he is the very best. Amen? And so this whole verse is laden with the gospel, with this concept that when we receive eternal life, we got the very, very best from God. When we were saved, we got the very, very best from him. He gave us the very best. And so I truly believe that if we bring our offerings to the Lord, we bring our first fruit. That's where it comes from. We bring our first fruit. We bring the very, very best and we rejoice in bringing it. And so again, this is the context of this passage. One of the things that grieved my heart, we were in Italy just a while ago, Jen and I, and we went into the restaurants, and um, instead of giving a tip to the waiter, they already added on to the bowl. You know, and oftentimes, what they add on to the bowl disappoints me because Jane said, she says, but Pete, you would have given much more. And I said, absolutely. But I don't like it when they put down what I need to give as a tip. And so these guys have lost out big time. (laughs) When you tip someone in a restaurant, you know, my friends, don't let it be a tip. Let it be a gracious gift. (laughs) Whenever we give, we give from our hearts, and we give generously. This is the type of church I want to be a part of, amen? It's characteristic of, of, of our incredible God. We live that way. And so we see here that this is what Paul is talking about. That's why, that's his testimony. That's why God can, um, Paul can come from that place, and he could write to the Philippians, and he could say to them, my God will provide all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He wasn't a stingy person. Stingy people can't say that to people. It is only people who have been overcome by generosity that can actually say, my God will provide for all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And of course, it is not just personal for Paul. It is not just prophetic that God would give ongoingly to us, but it was proportionate. And it was proportionate to his riches. That's why when I pray for you, that's why when we pray for you, I don't expect anything less than God's very, very best for you. Nothing less. When I pray for people for healing, I don't put them back in the doctor's hands. And if you want to do that, you can do that. I put them in the hands of Jesus. Because that's what I need to do in my praying. I know that some of you haven't really had that revelation within your heart. But for me, I trust God with someone's healing. And I've said before, when I've prayed, then I've left them in God's healing and it's up to Him. It's got nothing to do with me. It's got everything to do with God. We need to pray with the overwhelming sense that God is going to meet that person's need. My friends, if the person is not healed now in this life, they will be healed in the life to come. That's God's will. They will be healed one day. If some of the needs that I have here is not met met now, my friends, we pray and God will meet it someday in eternity. For the Christian, the now And that then is all combined. And I think the reason why we hesitate to pray prayers of boldness is because we are so anchored in the now. And we haven't been anchored in eternity. My friends, look at Paul's heart here for the church. I oftentimes marvel at his personal conviction that he could write this to the church. And he doesn't even qualify it. To the way that I'm qualifying today when he says, my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We had some people who got saved over the last little while within our church. When a person prays the prayer of forgiveness. And when God comes to save that person, would you say that he just saves them a little bit? Does he do a pretty good job? He actually forgives that person of all of their sins. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, All of the old things have passed away. You have become new. My friends, when God does things, he does not do it in half measures. That was Paul's personal testimony about the God that he serves. Where is our testimony? Would you please stand? Can the team come forward? My God becomes your father. And when Paul speaks about my God, he says, this is what my Father would do for you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, we'll give him a snack. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask? Father, we come. And we just pray today that you would continue just to help us to understand who you are, our God. You're a generous God who gives generously to us. And Father, I pray this morning as we close off this service and this series of Philippians, that as we sing together, that in turn, you would visit people just in their seats in a very special way. And that we would leave here continuously overwhelmed by your incredible love for us. In Jesus' name.